0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: Welcome to the Peter King podcast. Isn't this supposed to be the dead period on the NFL calendar? Doesn't feel too dead to me, but we're going to catch up with three players in the National Football League who I think many of you really like. We're going to hear from Minnesota wide receiver Justin Jefferson, then Carolina running back Christian McCaffrey trying to come back from a banged up year, and then Austin Eckler of the Los Angeles Chargers, a player-packed podcast this week, just so that you know. I recorded these during Super Bowl week. They oftentimes make players available. Uh, The cost of making players available is mentioning a product. So we mention the product and we get to have 15 minutes with Christian McCaffrey. I like the trade. Anyway, before we get into our player pod this week, I wanted to talk about two events that are sort of hanging over the NFL right now. One, J.J. Watt what will happen to JJ Watt? Okay, so let's, let's just, let's go back for a moment and talk about, so it didn't really seem that JJ Watt in his goodbye message was all that warm and fuzzy about the Houston Texans. And I really think in the last year or so, JJ Watt has grown tired of playing for the Houston Texans. He did not think they were on the right path uh, to building a Super Bowl team, even though they had a franchise quarterback. And I believe he pushed this very hard early in this off season. And uh, finally, the uh, owner of the Texans, Cal McNair and his mom, Janice McNair, who's the widow of Bob McNair, the team founder, basically said to him last week, okay, we're going to release you. Good luck. <clears throat> Thanks for everything. But it was just a weird kind of walking on eggshells release where you didn't hear much uh, this franchise will be in my blood till the day I die no I mean and so that is probably going to take a little bit of smoothing over over the years but let's get to the current business of J.J. Watt and the current business is where will he go where does he want to go where might he go you know, One of the problems with Watt, I think, is that there aren't a lot of teams that might want him that have a lot of cap room. Indianapolis is one. Indianapolis has some significant cap room. Many of the teams that I think would really like to have J.J. Watt are really in cap trouble, like the Green Bay Packers, like the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs love veteran players. Um, And I think there are other teams that are very interested in him that I'm not sure he'd be interested in. Let's take, let's just look at two teams right now uh, that may have some interest in JJ Watt. Okay. One is the Green Bay Packers. Now the interest might be more on Watts part than on the Packers part. They're not a team and haven't been a team over the years that uh, has taken you know, 30-ish, 30-something players. Watt will play at age 32 uh, in 2021. And the Packers really haven't done that. They did it with Charles Woodson, but it was a little bit of a different story. He was 30 years old. They knew that he had some really good years left. And one of his good years ended up being a Super Bowl winning year. Another one of his good years turned out to be a defensive player of the year year so i think watt is a little bit different he's on the tail end two years maybe three and who knows at what level but i think the one thing about the packers is that i think jj watt would tell his agent look i don't care how it if they're interested at all that's where i want to go i really sense that that's one of the places where i think he'd want to go i think the buffalo bills would be interested the bills have cap room And I do think they would be interested. But the other team I wanted to talk about is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And look, a friend of Watts told me last Friday when this deal all went down, you know, I'm not so sure about J.J. going to Pittsburgh. He would feel in some ways, you know, like he was taking all the air out of his room. That's his brother's team. So I don't know. We'll see. The Tennessee Titans uh, general manager, John Robinson, said today, as I record this on Tuesday, February 16, the day before this podcast will drop, that they have had some contact with J.J. Watt, and look, there is no secret that the, that the uh, uh, that Tennessee is desperate for a pass rush. Paid big money last year uh, for Vic Beasley uh, and for Jadavian Clowney, and got zero sacks and a lot of injuries and a release of Beasley out of those two guys. So. I'm sure they will be interested. So those are some of the teams I think you should watch. Now, secondly, let's talk for a minute about Carson Wentz and what might be happening with the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback. So I said on pro football talk this week, you know, everybody is saying, hey, what happened to Wentz? Why isn't Wentz get the Wentz deal getting done? And, you know, Mike Mike Florio and I talked about it at some length. And I said, there's 30 days left before anything has to happen. You don't have to do this now. If you're Howie Roseman and you don't have a golden ticket offer, you know, like Detroit got from uh, the Rams, what's the hurry? Why trade them now? Wait until teams, you know, are looking at a deadline and then say, okay, uh, what's your best offer? And I think the other part of this, the two very logical teams, obviously, are Indianapolis. There's no question the Colts are interested Uh, and also the Chicago Bears. And, you know, I think what you're finding right now is everybody just automatically assumes that the Bears and the Colts would be willing to trade their first round picks, which are back-to-back, 20 for the Bears, 21 for the Colts. And they assume that uh, they would just trade them, plus maybe a sweetener to get Carson Wentz. But I can just tell you the attitude right now around the NFL when it comes to wins. Not only is he the 35th out of 36 rated quarterbacks among qualifiers in 2020, uh, players who played enough in 2020 to qualify uh, for, the, for the passer rating title, uh, he's 35th out of 36, only one-tenth of a point ahead of number 36, Sam Darnold. But it, it isn't only that, that they're not really sure what kind of player he is, but they've all heard the stories. You know, he didn't take coaching well at the end, that he had a bad attitude when the, uh, when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts. And so I think this is not a crystal clear and clean quarterback prospect to trade for. You're not going to trade for Carson Wentz and go to bed that night thinking we just traded for the quarterback of our team for the next 10 years in an ideal world. I could see that happening, but I think, I think at the end of the day, what's going to happen sometime before the start of the league year, one month from right now, sometime before the start of the league year, I believe that um, the Philadelphia Eagles will get either a first-round pick or two twos uh, for Carson Wentz. Quite honestly, right now, I'd probably rather have the two twos because so many players are going to be drafted with so many questions uh, surrounding them high in the draft. Maybe they opted out of their last years in college. Maybe their team's only played a, a you know, six or seven-game schedule. They, they haven't really seen much of them. Uh, for a a year or so. So to me, I'd almost rather have two twos. So uh, let's get to our conversations right now. We're going to start off with Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings, who had an incredible rookie year, 1400 yards receiving, um, and really made the trade uh, for Minnesota Minnesota, uh, to Buffalo, when Minnesota traded Stefan Diggs and and Buffalo traded back a slew of draft choices, including this first-round pick, which turned into Justin Jefferson. That really uh, turned out to be a great trade for both teams, including the Minnesota Vikings. So here is Justin Jefferson. So happy to be joined on the podcast by, uh, and he doesn't know this yet, but until about week 13 this year, He was going to be my offensive rookie of the year in the NFL, but he ended up finishing second on my ballot to uh, Justin Herbert, another Justin. Um, (laughs) But Justin, I think your rookie year was absolutely sensational. It's been a long time since I've seen a rookie wide receiver just come into the NFL. Like you've played there for six years. So anyway, first of all, congratulations on your year.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much.
1: Let's, let's start, and we'll get to, your, um, to the reason why you're here in a moment. But let's just start by just getting to the point of what a weird year 2020 was, the weirdest year that players who've played in the NFL for 15 years have had, because you're, you're not at practice, as much you're not in the classroom as much you're doing it by zoom, all that stuff. Tell me about how difficult a year this was to have especially when you're a rookie
2: uh, it was very difficult um, just the things that we didn't get to didn't get to do that a lot of uh, NFL players had got to uh, do before um, as, uh, as an example you know going to the NFL draft. know that that definitely is one of the things that that is a dream for a lot of a lot of guys especially that that get drafted on the first day uh so didn't really get to do that uh we had to learn um we had to learn the the playbook on on zoom so that definitely was difficult I I never had to do that before in my life so uh I definitely had to really you know buy into to what I was learning and um had to figure out a way to learn over Zoom. So, all of those stuff definitely was difficult to do. And uh, to say that I still had the season that I had, um, it it was a true blessing. I I couldn't ask for any more and be on a better team.
1: You know, I, just to, so that people kind of understand a little bit about this, I thought one of the most interesting things that happened this year in the NFL was when the Cleveland Browns had to play a playoff game and their head coach was in his basement back in Cleveland. And the team is playing in Pittsburgh and he's watching on TV. And one of the people uh, who works for the team said, yeah, it was really, it was obviously crazy, but it wasn't as bad as people thought. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, on Saturday we get to Pittsburgh for the playoff game, we go to the hotel and usually in an average year, y'all go to the ballroom uh, and have your, have your meeting, maybe you have a team meal, you have a snack after your meeting, everything like that. But, and you're seeing everybody. But in this particular year, Kevin Stefanski, the coach of the Browns is sitting back home in his basement in Ohio, and he runs the Saturday night meeting from his basement. And, but because everybody is doing the meeting on a Zoom, all Kevin Stefanski is, he's the same square that he always is for one of these meetings. So even though he's 130 miles away, you really don't notice that. That's the kind of stuff that you guys had to get used to this year.
2: Yeah, definitely is. And um, it's kind of hard to to bring that energy, bring that excitement, um, you know, when we're doing stuff like that, you know, we would love to have, you know, the coach right there and, we all together um, being being a, a, a fundamental team, you know. What I'm saying just just connecting as a team whole uh, before the game, but um, you know a lot of stuff has changed. A lot of stuff has changed, and uh, I mean that's just something that that we have to get through. Um, you know, it's just a a, a barrier in the way, and we just got to find a way to jump it.
1: I want to get to two things in your rookie year. Uh, I I was you know, as I sit and watch all the games, uh, some of every game, first time I really noticed you this year was the third game of your season. You guys play Tennessee at home. It ended up becoming kind of a famous game because that was after that game. Tennessee has all these people come down with COVID. And you guys don't really have a COVID problem, which really educated a lot of people at the top of the yeah. NFL that COVID spread doesn't happen through these little short bursts of competition. Yeah. But the reason why I thought the game was noticeable, especially for you, you're 21 years old. This is your third game in the NFL. And you go up against uh, you know a, a team that was in the AFC championship game last year seven catches 175 yards one touchdown and I, I just kept when I was watching that game I watched a lot of that game It was a great game you guys lost but it was a great game and what I remember about it saying is how is this guy just look like he belongs he's 21 years old this is his third game in the NFL and it looks I don't want to say easy but it looked pretty damn easy for you and so I I would just ask you take me back to that game that day and tell me what you were feeling that day and why you think you had so much success
2: well um it really started the the uh, that Monday that Monday before um you know reaching that game um you know coach Koob uh, had called me uh what that Monday afternoon or something like that and uh, said that he was going to give me the opportunity to start. So, um, you know, me just being the excited, I am, uh, you know, I definitely had to make the most of that opportunity. So, um, you know, in practice, just showing them that, you know, they can count on me to, to know the plays and uh, to make those plays when it comes to me and uh, coach coach cool called the right plays uh, that game. And uh, Kurt gave me the opportunities to go out there and make those big plays. And uh, that's what I did. And, I mean, me just just being a fifth receiver pick, um, I definitely had to make the most of that opportunity. I had to show the world that um, I'm able to play on this level and I can be a dominant uh, player on this level.
1: Um, you obviously come from major college, haven't played at LSU. You know, your last year at LSU, obviously you played with Joe Burrow, which I mean, watching that team in 2019, That looked like an NFL team to me more than any offense that I ever remember watching in college football, that offense seemed to be an NFL offense. Um, Your deep strike capability throughout the game uh, throughout those games with Burrow. And so I I just want to ask you, do you think playing at that level with you know, obviously with a guy who then went on to the NFL and Joe Brady as your offensive coordinator now with Carolina and then going, catching balls from the first pick in the draft, Joe Burrow. Do you think that helped your transition to the NFL?
2: Um, a hundred percent, you know, having coach Joe Brady coming in with a uh, post style offense, um, you know, going to the combine, being asked. Uh, you know about concepts and uh, about routes. Um, I knew majority of it. Uh, you know I, I pretty much had every single scheme down packed. Uh, it just was different terminologies that NFL teams use. So um, having a year ahead start than everybody else in, in the college level um, it kind of it kind of played out perfectly. And uh, having Joe Burrow uh, you know throw to me and uh, me getting 1500 yards, Um, you know that was just the start of it Uh, he helped he helped me reach uh, to the first round Um, and I'm I'm, I'm definitely grateful for him uh, to to come to LSU and uh, bring the bring the skills that he had to LSU
1: people always wonder this and they always ask questions like this which I find totally fascinating (laughs) but by the end of your season at LSU where you're just you're you're dominating everybody you're dominating the great teams you dominated Alabama offensively and I wonder have you ever thought or have you guys ever sat around did you ever think man I wonder what it would be like if we lined up against an NFL team what (laughs) do you think what do you really I mean with that LSU team how would you have done playing in an NFL game
2: I feel like we would have did perfectly fine, to be honest. Um, if you really look at it, uh, we had Clyde in the backfield. Clyde is in a in a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, he he's doing his own thing. Uh, Joe Burrow, he got hurt, but um, you know, before he got hurt, he was up for Rookie of the Year. Um, had me, I'm up for Rookie of the Year now. Um, you got Jamar Chase that's up for top top pick in the draft. Uh, I got Terrence that's going to also be a top pick in the draft. So there's a, there's a lot of guys on our team that, that went high in the draft and that is going high in the draft um, that would have been a, a, a big part if we would have actually played an NFL team. I feel like we would have did a good job playing an NFL team. though.
1: Is there a reason why you think that so many receivers right now are so NFL ready uh, when they leave college football,
2: um, I mean, not a lot of not a lot of receivers at that, that um, you know, do that. But you know, if they if a receiver come in and do that, I just feel like um, they know their determination. You know, they have they have that spark in their mind that that something in their lives that that puts them over the top that that gives them that extra boost to go out there and just keep performing at a high level. And, um, you know, me just being um, with the coaches, being with the players that I have, have been with at LSU, um, they just really just got me perfectly ready for the NFL uh, with route running, with uh, being able to catch the ball, with, uh, you know, body control. Uh, a lot of stuff that that I did at LSU um, that, that, you know, led on to, to being um, the player I am
1: today in the NFL. Were you a big seven on seven on seven player in high school?
2: Um, We didn't do a lot of seven on sevens. Uh, You know, I was I was very small in high school. At that, Um, I was one seventy in high school. wasn't very wasn't very tall. um, You know, wasn't very explosive. wasn't very fast. So um, when I got to LSU, that's when I I really equipped all of those abilities. You know, being able to uh, run fast, being able to catch the ball running routes. So all of those things came later on in my career. Um, I, I had to work hard for those things. Um, and they they didn't come easily, but um, you know, as as the more determination that I put towards the game, uh, you know, the more I wanted to prove people wrong, um, you know, the better I got, the more understanding I got uh of the game. And um, you know, me just being in the corner with all of these people to help me out, um, it, it just came to me easily.
1: So here's my last football question. LSU has really gotten to um, have a great fraternity of receivers. And, you know, I notice it's it's almost like defensive players at Miami, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, Ray Lewis and all those right. guys. But, yeah. but what I really think it is, is – I think it has something to do with the way a guy like Jarvis Landry thinks. He's an LSU receiver, obviously, as you know. And Jarvis Landry, if he notices guys on his team are either slacking off in some ways or not doing it, he doesn't care who they are. He doesn't care what position they play. It doesn't matter to him. He is going to jump down their throat. And, you know, there is this kind of this, worker ethos among lsu receivers in my opinion um that that really is a great trait for this next level in that you're so competitive uh and you're you're really kind of feisty i noticed that with you this year you have no problem with with you know stomping around a little bit and telling everybody hey listen this is this is big we got to do this what is it about is it LSU? Do you think, and what you bring to the NFL from there?
2: Um, one, yeah, it could be from, from LSU. Um, you know, all the, uh, us just being from Louisiana. Period. Uh, we we carry we carry that feistness, that that fire in us. Um, you know, just us just being born and raised with it. Um, you know, we we always have that attitude, and uh, you know that that eager to go out there and just just in our best ability. But um, it also has to do with the love that we have for the game. Um, You know, I know Jarvis, I know Odell, um, you know, they love the game, just like me. I love the game. So, um, you know, me going out there losing is not an option. You know, uh, we want to win. We want to go out there and just put on the best show for for ourselves and uh, for the people watching. So um, if it it takes us getting on the the starting quarterback that's been there for years or if it takes us getting on the line for, for something, um, you know that's that's just what it has to be. That's that's called leadership, and um, that's the only way that you're going to get far in uh, in
1: your career. It's amazing that you're 21 years old, you know, and you're <laughs> talking like that. It's kind of cool. So you come to us today um, uh, from from M and M's. You're representing M and M's, and I'm a little bit of a bit of an M and Maholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I think most people in the United States are, but I wanted to ask you: When you're a kid, so were you an M and M's guy as a kid? Were, were you a, were you a candy bar guy as a kid? Did you have a sweet tooth? What's your What's your <laughs> introduction to M and M's?
2: I, I, I liked M and M's. M and M's is one of my favorites. Um, I always remember buying M and M's or you know getting M and M's for Halloween and you know just killing them as soon as I, I, I see them. So, um, you know, Eminem uh, has definitely been uh, been good with just working with them and just being a part of uh, what they have going on. You know, we, we're, we're trying to bring uh, excitement to the world, uh, connect people um, all around the world. So, um, you know, a lot of things have been happening over this past year um, that has been devastating. So we're just trying to put some smile on people's faces and, um, you know, just, just have a little fun with it. Uh, also, that we have a new store in Disney Springs too, that a lot of people got to check out. It's fun, and, and I think a lot of people will enjoy.
1: So it. maybe people, you know, for for people who listen to this, who might be going to the Super Bowl, they can uh, they can just take a little drive over from Tampa and go to the drive. new M and M store yeah. and become yeah. very happy immediately
2: immediately as soon as they walk (laughs) into the store they see all the m&ms they definitely they definitely will be happy immediately
1: (laughs) justin jefferson really appreciate you taking the time thanks to you thanks to m&ms for uh making you available to us and man i'll tell you you're gonna have a fabulous career it's really fun to watch you thank you appreciate you
2: One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. It's hard not to
1: add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before
2: you get home.
1: And now my conversation with the rehabbing and very determined Christian McCaffrey of the Carolina Panthers. Back in the podcast, happy to be joined by Christian McCaffrey, Carolina Panthers running back, obviously. And Christian, I know you're here representing a scent protein, and that's one of the reasons why I was really I was going to ask you a little bit about uh, one thing with Tom Brady and his long life in football. And he told me a couple of years ago when he was 26 years old and he would wake up in the morning uh, after a football game and even two or three days after, he'd feel so lousy. Um, And it wasn't all diet, but it was some diet. And some of it was, you know, how he was taking care of himself already at that point. And he basically felt like, I don't, I, I'm going to last as long as I can in this thing. But am I going to be sore every day like this? I don't want to be sore every day. So tell me a little bit about, I, I know you were maniacal about your body the way Brady is. And tell me about your lessons that you've learned from things like protein, diet, uh, pliability, workouts, and all that.
3: Yeah, I think when you uh, you know when you talk about high caliber athletes, you know it's one thing to talk about you know their their physicality, speed, strength, and all that. But um, you know as you as you get older and older, and and as you you know experience more football. Uh, recovery, I think ends up becoming the the most important factor. I think Tom's a great example of that, but that that's, uh, it's also a reason why I I, uh, trust in a, in a, you know, protein, like Ascent. and, and, you know, I think it's a company that I've been using for two years and uh, I've just found results, you know, when I work out hard, you know, and I take, uh, you know, their protein, I feel good the next day. I I don't feel like that a whole lot. And obviously, you know, you're going to get bumps and bruises here and there when it comes to football, but um, you know, to your point, waking up and, and feeling like, you know, the the things that you're putting in your body are, you know, it's positive fuel. Uh, that matters as well. You know, so just knowing that there's no artificial flavors, no artificial sugars and, you know, all of its real ingredients um, just gives me confidence that, that, you know, I'm feeling my body with the right
1: stuff. I once asked Brady, this is like three years ago, I said, don't you want to go out sometime and have like nine beers with your <laughs> with your buddies and he goes he said peter i've done that before you know and it's and it's fun but this is a lot more fun so yeah. i i mean until i can't do this anymore i may do that again one day and 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 you know he probably will but but he he you know he found his thing in life that he absolutely loves and so he's going to be absolutely 100 miles an hour toward it every day. How about you? Do you ever do you ever lapse? Do you ever go out and have a Shake Shack chicken sandwich, you know, or something like that? What do you What do you do if you if you really feel like eating junk food?
3: Yeah, absolutely,
1: uh, absolutely. You know, I,
3: I think uh, everyone does here and there. Um, you know, and I and I think you know, obviously you know, he mentioned what Tom said, you know, Tom was probably referring to when he was my age, 24. So hopefully <laughs> I can start saying, "Well, oh, I've done that. Cause you know, I've, I've definitely, you know, relapsed, so to say, and uh, you know, I've had, had my fair share. I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for Doritos, you know, and I, I just love, uh, you know, sometimes every once in a while, I'm giving myself a day where I can, um, you know, eat whatever I want or, you know, have a drink here and there, whatever. But, I think the biggest thing too is it's a reminder of of how good you feel when you don't do that stuff. And so for me, you know, the more hits you take and, and and the more you go through this league, it's so important to to take every step of the way and uh and take care of yourself because, you know, like you said, as fun as that stuff is, you have the rest of your life to do it and 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 uh, winning is is much more fun for sure. So um, you know, I definitely resonate with that. And it's something that, you know, as, as my career continues and having football taken away from me this year and uh, kind of catching an injury bug, that's uh, it kind of, you know, refueled my, my love, so to say. Not that I ever lost any, but, it, you know, I think sometimes you have to have something taken away from you to realize how much you love it. So, um, you know, and I'm kind of already getting the bug to, to, to
1: go back and play. I'm kind of really excited, you know, for next year already. So... For those who know you were hurt a little bit this year, um, let's just run run over a couple of things. In your first three years in the NFL, you never missed a game. You played 48 games. And then this year, 2020, you only played three games. You had three distinct injuries. And I wonder, when you look back on it now, was it in any way – a heavy workload from the first three years where you averaged 312 touches a season. Was it in any way that, or do you believe that it was just bad luck?
3: Um, You know, I I don't like to think that any past years um, are are the reason for anything. And I think uh, when when you look around different players in the league uh, who have experienced injuries, some of them will have season-ending injuries in the first game and play 15 more years so um some of the you know that noise and then well it's because they're giving him too many carries you know well I look at a guy like Emmett Smith who played you know double digit years in his 10th year and all that he was he was an animal um and he had a lot of carries and you know he's experienced injuries and uh you know Adrian Peterson to, you know tore his knee all the way and then was the MVP of the league the next year and uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone and, and and everyone's forgotten about that. So that's that's kind of something that for me is encouraging to see, you know, not just running backs, but quarterbacks, receivers who have gotten hurt and come back and had, you know, career years for the next, you know, six, seven, eight years. So for me, um, that's something that I'm fueled by. And, and, and whether or not it had anything to do with the previous three years, I say, uh, you know, part of it. Is is bad luck. Injuries happen in football. You know, I didn't I my my ankle injury was kind of a freak injury. I didn't even have my foot in the ground. Um, you know, my shoulder, I fell on it just right to separate it. And so it's it's you know, part of that's the game. And and I've played through injuries before. It's not like this is the first time I've been hurt, it's just the first time that I've been hurt to the point where I, you know, physically can't can't play. And uh I think that's the frustrating part of this last year was. You know your mind is in one place and you you know what you can do but your you know your body wasn't responding to that you know due to the injury so um you know it's it's something that i've learned from though and, and and looking into this off season i think i have an amazing plan i trust my plan and um you know i'm excited for for this next year what is your plan well i mean it's it's long i, I mean i bore you if i was you know talking about it for like
1: give me the cliff's notes version of your plan Cliff, no. So,
3: so I really, I just, I, I treat it like a, a few camps a year, you know, when I go into training, like a, like a fighting camp, uh, you know, those guys for about 10 weeks, they lock in their whole life is training and it's, you know, fueling your body with the right stuff. Obviously that's why I think ascent matters so much to me, but um, you know, that's, it's the correct fuel, the correct nutrition, the correct sleep, the correct hydration. There's no distractions. Uh, there's no vacations. You kind of get that out of the way. And then you lock in, you know, I'll go four weeks on, one week off, four weeks on, one week off. That'll get me to OTAs, which is April 19th. And uh, hopefully we have it in person this year. Um, and then after that, I'll have another, you know, three and a half, four week of of a training camp, so to say, before before camp. And, you know, some of those weeks are off days. You know, you're not going the whole time. I think that's one thing I've learned is um, the balance between. Training and taking care of your body. And and, and a lot of guys in the NFL, um, it's not a matter of whether they're working hard enough. It might be they're not working smart enough. And and I think sometimes working smarter is much harder than, you know, the so-called working hard because you have to uh, find every way possible to maximize your body and really turn it into a machine. And that's that's the, the fun part for me is trying to figure out the master plan into, you know, creating a monster, so to say
1: you think you will be more ready opening day this year than you have been in any of your previous years? Yeah, absolutely.
3: I a hundred percent believe that.
1: First impressions of Matt
3: rule. Oh, I love Matt rule. I think when, when you, when you think about, uh, you know, a head coach, you you know, one of the biggest traits you, you hear is leadership. And, uh, I think he has that to a T, and, and for me, being able to observe from outside in and seeing uh, his way of coaching and to see the results, um, it was exciting because you saw young guys who started out here and ended up here. And you saw you know veterans who truly bought into what he was saying and, uh, and it paid off. And you know, obviously our record wasn't what it was, but I think that the first step in creating a successful program is getting guys to understand the standard and, uh, you know, from day one, he never changed. And that's something that, as a player, you get excited about because, um, you know, obviously you, you, you look at his resume and what he's done everywhere else, too. And, and I know he would probably say none of that stuff matters, you know, now matters. But but it's true. You know, it holds it holds truth. Uh, he's tr- transformed programs. And I think partly it's, you know, I don't And I think he'd say the same thing. I don't think it, it, it is his football knowledge because he's got plenty of that. But it's his ability to take guys – and, and and from A to B and make them their best self on the football field.
1: Do you have your season tickets for Northern Colorado's football team? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm tapped in. I'll
3: tell you what, I've never been so excited for college football. So My dad's head coach there, my older brother, you know, who was really my idol growing up. Um, he's the receivers coach there. And, you know, he's a guy who, you know, my, my older brother, Max played, you know, four or five years in the NFL And, uh, you know, for a lot of different teams bounced around, but, but I get all my advice from receiver position from him and my dad. So, you know, they, they're, they're out there coaching and my little brother, Dylan, just committed. So he'll be a quarterback. And, uh, you know, for, for me as a, as a brother, that's like all you can ask for is, you know, watching all your family in one place. You know, I'm so used to rooting for this team, this team, this team, this team, you know, having all of them in one spot. I think the, cool, the coolest thing in my life was watching my dad coach my littlest brother, Luke, in the, uh, in the state championship his senior year. And they went undefeated and won the state championship. And, then, you know, it was, it was just kind of emotional because, you know, it's your family and, and you want to see them all do well. And when they're on the same team, it's uh, – I and mean, there's a lot of emotion that goes into it. I can promise you it's not going to be, you know, all sunshine and rainbows in that
1: huddle. But I think that's the beauty of it. You know, I'm, I'm really excited you got to hope your bye week uh, kind of falls on a Northern Colorado home game. So you get up to Greeley and you watch your brother play quarterback and your dad and your brother coach, and it'd be kind of a cool weekend for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get up
3: there as much as possible. So uh, I, I definitely can't wait. You know, I, I'm going to go back to Colorado over a couple of weeks and train and uh you know maybe try to train there if they let me we'll see what my dad
1: I think your father is going to be a good coach and I remember him well from when he was a player he was very serious very serious but nobody played harder than he did nobody he got every ounce out of what he had and I, I I would assume that's the way he's going to coach his team
3: yeah absolutely. I think uh, you know I think you just described him very well. Um, you know, he puts everything into what he does, and that's you know part of the reason why uh, you know, being his son and I speak for all my brothers was so easy because you know you look at look at his commitment to anything he does, and it's um you know it's unmatched and and I, and I think it's the same with my mom and uh, that's uh that's something to look up to as a kid and 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 I think you're right, you know I look back and watch highlights of him playing and, 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 you know, there wasn't a play he took off and yeah my favorite thing to do is watch him block um, because, you know, you, you know, a lot of receivers can catch and run good routes and do stuff with the ball in their hands, but watching him block and just put people, put people down uh, was, was something that as a running back, I like, but also just to show that
1: how much pride he took in every single play. So I really, when I watch you play, I really, I'm not saying I see him. He's a he's a tall, long guy, you know, and and obviously you guys play different positions, but your will is the same, I you know, it. as your dad. It really is. And he was, I mean, he just he just would not be denied. You know, reminds yeah. me of all these guys who say, ah, they're gonna have to kick me out of the game one day. That's the way your father was. And so the way you play and the way you prepare does not surprise me at all but anyway christian really appreciate you taking the time and being on the podcast thank you yeah thank you peter i appreciate it man
0: Dietz and watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever what's that mean it means never cutting corners ever it means cooking not processing it means our virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection then twice baked to layer the flavors it takes more time but you can taste the difference We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.
3: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
4: Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.
1: And now let's hear from Austin Eckler, the opinionated, fun, talkative running back of the Los Angeles Chargers. Austin, I think one of the things that I have gotten into reporting in the last three or four years is more and more teams and more and more players are believing now in the science of sleep uh, when it comes to performance. So obviously you're representing sleep number and I'd just like to hear your thoughts on how your attitude towards sleep has evolved as you've gotten going in your career and how is it different than when you were say a college kid
5: right uh yeah there's quite the difference between that but yes I am partnered with sleep number today because I do love my sleep number bed Um, and so I'm glad to be representing them today but my sleep from college to now um back in college I didn't really worry about a routine it was just kind of you know just, just sleep when you can, when you have time, um, just because of class and football basically consumed my entire life. But now uh, after being in the NFL and, you know, getting the routine and learning how to become a pro, uh, the just the pack the impact of sleep on your just day um, has shown me that it, it can make or break if you having a good day or a bad day. Um, and I say that because I'm a big advocate of, of health and working out and so when you're, uh, when you're working out and your body breaks down, you're tired, you're stressed, all these things uh, that the NFL uh, presents you, uh, you need time to just rest. And so when you get a good night's sleep, you can wake up, you feel energized. And, you know, with Sleep Number, it's, they have a smart bed, so it adjusts to your body so I do get amazing sleep. And you can track your sleep with scores. Um, actually, one of the coolest features I thought with the Sleep Number was it tells you your heart rate um and like if you're having a dream you can like see like a spike in your heart rate and stuff like that so it's pretty cool but um no my sleep has become more routine and more just actually part of my recovery uh more so than it used to be like food like back in college it was like oh just eat food and your sleep yeah whatever it's not really talked about as a recovery um but as i've gotten older talk to more professionals it's like sleep is more important i would say than you're keeping a clean diet just because you need to be able to come up wake up in the day in the in the morning and be able to, okay, I'm awake, I'm alert, I can go forward throughout the day and continue to uh, you know try to better yourself.
1: Do you truly feel the difference in your performance from one day to the next if one night, for whatever reason, you might only get five hours of sleep, let's say? Right, and I would say it's more prevalent during the week
5: during practice because I make sure I always get a good night's sleep before the game. Uh, if you don't get the best night of sleep before practice and I have to wake up, you know, at 6 a.m. to go do workouts in the morning, I will be a zombie. I'll just be dragging, like, just coming in to do my workout. I need my guys to hype me up a little bit. When I, when I get a good right night's rest, I feel like I'm that energy guy and I'm bringing up everybody, and that's the majority of the time. Um, and just, I'm really excited to go work out. Uh, but, yeah, you definitely can tell the difference between, you know, a good night's sleep and uh, and not.
1: You did a really cool thing. Uh, partnering with Sleep Number um, in giving beds to healthcare workers this year. Can you tell me about that?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, obviously, there's a pandemic going on, and healthcare workers have been overworked and just overloaded with a lot of different responsibilities. And, you know, the NFL and the Chargers are sending healthcare workers to the Super Bowl and providing the 360 smart beds as well. Um, and I mentioned, I love my, my sleep numbers. So I know they're going to love theirs as well. And it's much deserved. And, you know, it's not just football players that are grinding. It's, you know, it's America especially healthcare workers during this time. And so for them to get a good night's rest and be uh, alert and ready to go every single day is going to be, is going to be huge for them. I know they're going to enjoy it.
1: How different was the 2020 season for you in basically being isolated, learning how to learn, in zoom calls i mean basically you must feel like every high school kid in the united states you know the vast majority of them now and even all all students you know the vast majority of them are learning on zoom how was it for you i'm just gonna come out and say i'm not i'm not a zoom learner i i have
5: a hard time sitting there on zoom and trying to actually learn for hours like because our meetings aren't just like a 20-minute meeting it's like all right we got an hour here we got 30 minutes here. Like, it's just like extensive time sitting there. And so I'd like to keep your alert, um, and just keep just retaining everything and not just like, uh, trying to fall off. Um, I, I hated it. And so it's, as many in-person meetings, social distance as we could, uh, I was trying to do it, but, uh, definitely had to learn how to adjust. Um, so, uh, I understand what the, what the kids and teachers are going through when, uh, they're going through zooms and I, I know it's not ideal for everyone. So hopefully, uh, you can start turning it around in a couple of years.
1: How much mental energy did you have to use in 2020 that in a normal year you wouldn't have had to use? Yeah,
5: I, I, would, say, I would say it was a more energy, but it was just different, right? So you had to adjust um, just because we weren't going, your routine was different every day. It's because, okay, someone had COVID today. Now we shut down the entire building to clean it. So what you thought you were going to do, now you're doing this. And it was just little stuff like that that continued to pop up. Um, And we had social justice going on, too. And so there was all these different, like, there was all these different things that were just happening at the same time. And so it was kind of like the normal um, to have unexpected things kind of pop up. And so we were just basically it taught us just to, Hey, okay, continue to push forward. We know why we're here. We're trying to play football. We're going to do that to our best ability. If things pop up, we'll adjust, we'll
1: deal with them. And then we'll get back to, you know, our job. I want to ask you two things about 2020 and then one going forward. I thought one of the strangest things that happened all season in pro football was that at the start of the second game of your season, Justin Herbert trotted out and got into the huddle. And I asked him at one point, like later in the year, how weird was that? You know, you, you don't plan to play the whole week or whatever. It's not like the quarterback got hurt as suddenly and you have to run out there. It's this weird, bizarre injury before the game. And now you go out and he goes, and I forget who it was. It might've been Hunter Henry. I looked at him and said, what are you doing here, dude? You know, because it was. So tell me about that moment when Justin Herbert walked onto the field to play for the Los Angeles Chargers.
5: That is, that is something Hunter would say for sure.
1: <laughs>
5: but, um, yeah, it was bizarre because um, I was on the sideline and the team doctor was like looking at Tyrod and He was kind of giving like the, you know, the he's out signal. And I was like, what the heck? And then, so, you know, we get the ball first, and so we start jogging out in the field, and here comes Herbert, and we're just, I'm just like, what, what? Like, everyone in the is like, looking around, like, what's, what happened? Like, no one knew, had, no one had any idea until after the game, like, what happened? And so we're just like, what's going on? And then Tyrod just, you know, just kept it quiet just so we didn't have any distractions. And then, you know, Justin went out there, and we're like, all right, well, I guess we're rolling with the young guy. We'll see what he's got. Um, kind of just rolling the dice, but uh, ended up he ended up having a solid game um, for his first game ever. I would say, and not preparing to actually play the game. Yeah, um, yeah. And then basically is that is that
1: in. actually is that actually true that most of you guys didn't know exactly what happened until after the game? We had no idea.
5: We had no idea. Um, even even then, it was, I think it was probably even a couple of weeks before I we actually like. Um, like came out in the, like, well, not came out, but like for Tyrod to even talk about it, obviously it was a sensitive top topic. But um, yeah, it was just bizarre. I've never heard of, you know, that incident. Yeah,
1: for those who don't know, we're probably assuming that everybody knows that uh, Tyrod Taylor was getting a painkiller before the game, which is not uncommon. And uh, the needle uh, accidentally punctured his lung. And so right. he couldn't, he couldn't play and uh and he couldn't play for a little while and by the time he could play again Justin Herbert was like a national sensation
4: right. and he was
1: he was like you know candidate for rookie of the year and i'm sure he's going to win rookie of the year but mm. but i mean it was just it was just one of the odd things and i really wondered you know how much you guys knew and i guess you really didn't know we had no idea we were like
5: why is Justin Herbert in the game yeah and we didn't know until after the game it was like oh wow And then he basically forced his way in there and then broke all the records.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you know this because you basically made your mark as a rookie um, from a guy who was the longest of long shots. And you just kept forcing yourself into the lineup, basically. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And so I wonder, when you watched Herbert for maybe some of the struggles that he had in training camp, you know, I thought hard knocks did a really good job of kind of painting some of the struggles that he had with pep Hamilton, the quarterback coach. And, and, you know, with, with, with everybody, Shane Steichen, the offensive Mm -hmm. coordinator, it was a really raw look at how difficult rookie training camp is for a young quarterback. So why did Justin Herbert adjust so quickly and play so well so early? Ooh, there's a lot of
5: there's a lot of different factors that play into that. I think one is just obviously he has to be dedicated to it, but it just his how smart he is. Like he's a smart kid um, that goes back to Oregon. he had like a 4.0, uh, you know, just in general. That's not even football smart. Yeah. That's just you know smart in general. But then, you know, his athletic ability, his ability to throw the ball, his ability to move, um, then the decision making, which I feel like is the most important part as far as playing quarterback because you can be a pocket passer you can be a guy that's more agile but it comes down to the decisions you make and can you actually put the ball in the in the position you want to be and uh, read a defense and so I think that's where he excelled is is just understanding how football works Um, he just grew so quickly um, as far as being able to run the offense you know I know you know early on our coordinators Uh, and Pep tried to make it easier on him just giving him more simple calls Um, but he picked it up easily and then we were able to actually just run our entire offense uh, by the end of the year and you know see I was obviously injured with my hamstring last year for seven weeks but when I came when I first got there he was like okay this guy's a rookie but when I came back it was like all right Herbert, I see like he's got some confidence got a little pep in his step you know he's out there you know barking around and just like okay this kid you know he's 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 getting comfortable. So I like that because now he can just focus on his game and he's not nervous anymore. He's just out there playing ball.
1: Have you met or chatted with your new coach yet, Brandon Staley? Yeah, Coach Staley called me actually. Uh, it, was, it was kind of unexpected. Well,
5: it was definitely unexpected. I had a random number call me and I answered him just like, who the heck? And he's like, hey, it's Coach Staley. And I was like, hey, what's up, Coach? Uh it was like two days after he got hired, and so that was, that was big. I really appreciate him uh, reaching out, and just, he kind of was just giving me just, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. We didn't really talk about football, and so I, I love that, just that relationship, trying to make that connection because um, I just think you can, just, you can care more and want to play for a guy if he shows you who he is and his passion, um, not just on football, but just in life.
1: It's going to be the first time in the career of Austin Eckler that you play for a coach who looks younger than you. <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's a good thing. Or <laughs> oh, okay. okay, listen. I want to okay. end with this because I think people who don't know basically who you are and about you and about your career. I mean, I think it's the coolest thing that here you are, even though you're not in the Super Bowl. That you know, you're 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 uh, representing a big American company, you know, Sleep Number, a a well-admired company, and that they look at you and say, we want Austin Eckler to represent Mm -hmm. us. It's a little bit, you've kind of come a long way in three years, (laughs) because because in your first training camp, I remember that, you know, uh, Anthony Lynn, the coach of the Chargers, was basically you know he he really didn't know who you were you know and name. you were wearing number three mm-hmm. which you know for those who know you know uh, who have even a, a elementary knowledge of football running backs in the nfl do not wear number three we can't we actually can't It's the rules <laughs> yeah but i want i just i want to hear the story that you you told me this i don't know a year or so ago about how you got anthony lynn to notice you yeah so
5: long story short um it was otas and otas were wrapping up and we were about to go home for a month and a half before training camp and i went up to anthony lynn's office and i was so nervous i remember sweating i remember i i remember just trying to talk to this man i was just so nervous because i'd never talked to him before and I just jumbled out, like, told him, like, I love his coaching style or something like that. But the real reason I was there was, like, I asked him, what do I need to do to make this team? Um, and, he, yeah, like, he didn't even know who I was. Um, like, he obviously knew I was a player. Um, but he told me, he's like, go see Coach Stu, protect the quarterback, and don't fumble. Um, and so, basically, I got more out of that Coach question.
1: Stewart's the special teams
5: coach. Yeah, Coach Stewart, yeah, yeah my special teams coach. And so – that didn't really resonate with him that I went up there and did that until training, like after I made the team, he's like, this kid came up and asked me like what I need to do to make the team. So I kind of showed like I was going on a limb, like I was doing everything I could to make the team. And that's kind of been, uh, you know, my progression to get to this point. I've just been doing everything I can to make an impact um, on the team and then also in the community. And now Hope and Sleep Number uh, represent, you know, some some beds that are going to be donated to some healthcare workers uh, going down to the Super Bowl.
1: Austin Eckler, pleasure talking to you. Um, Really enjoyed getting to know you over the last few years. And and, uh, hopefully you will be back in very good health this year. And I believe that you will be in very good health because you will be well-rested, won't you? That is 100% correct. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Peter. All the best to you. I
5: appreciate you, man.
1: My thanks to Justin Jefferson, Christian McCaffrey, and Austin Eckler for their time and their thoughts. Hope you got caught up about uh, with a little bit of what's going on in their worlds. So that's it for this week's podcast. Come back next week. We're gonna have a little bit more information on what is coming up in this offseason. It's gonna be a crazy one. It's probably gonna be a virtual one. Uh, From what we're looking at right now, I doubt it's going to be that much different from 2020. But anyway, the NFL handled it well last year. We'll see how they handle it this year. And thanks a lot for joining me this week on the Peter King Podcast.